Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, Blondie's on the road, so hopefully he'll be able to join us shortly. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got Ken and Mark. Hey. Now, before we get into this week's episode, or this month's episode, as it seems to have become lately with everyone's schedules, um, be remiss not to mention the passing of Cinderella's guitarist, Jeff Labar, and keyboardist gary corbett uh news of his passing came today as well he'd been battling cancer sadly um and gary was a fixture in nashville for me at the rock and pod expos that i attended and i spent a lot of time on the phone with him you know obviously talking kiss um cindy lauper and some of the other bands that he worked with really really nice guy with a lot of great stories very honest and cinderella of course was my kind of my band in 86 when they came out mm. and i was bummed that they weren't opening for david lee roth at the time that i got to see him tesla was the opening act for them but uh, we watched that video and enjoyed that album so much back uh you know back in 86 and 87 and i did an episode of uh, pods and sods a six pack of cinderella so check out that episode we, i think we had some good picks that day and some good banter with bj cramp and eric miller of course so any quick thoughts on cinderella or gary corbett ken yeah i mean it, well it's sad to see these guys you know they're getting older and like we all are and uh in the passing it seems seems more more you know frequent you know as the years go on obviously um but yeah it's sad that a, a member of a you know a rock band or anybody um you know dies early you know, at a younger age um and then with you know yeah Cor- corbett um yeah i remember they, they had the uh donations for you know a fundraiser for you know his cancer to help with that and boy i, I was really surprised that it, it it took him i guess it really took over quickly the cancer for him unfortunately um but yeah it's it's sad you know yeah he was with kiss on the the live uh tour there you know crazy nights and so on um but yeah it's it's a sad to when any of these you know artists and you know die and die young or die early yeah I've still got a set of guitar picks from Gary from Kiss. You know, simply, he said, "Do you have a set?" I said, "No, I don't." Said, and you know, a few weeks later, in the post shows up a set of uh, brand new from his nice. flicking supply of uh, <laughs> hot in the shade ones. Mark, thoughts? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on those? You did come to Rock and Pod the year, the first year, um, yeah. and he was there. Yeah, yeah, he was a really, really nice guy. Easy to talk to. You know, like you said, very honest about things and uh great stories about stuff and uh i also enjoyed some of the interview things that you've done with them julian uh good stuff and uh yeah it's it's a shame i i've said this a dozen times before is that you know with with covid and everything that's going around you know we we, we went and got these these things done these uh, these uh injections for people to get inoculated you know they were done in a year and yet we're still being 20 years on with this cancer thing. It's it's about time we finally get something to knock cancer on its rear end finally mm-hmm. because we keep losing people, and it's 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 got to stop. I mean, come on, man, put your efforts into that a bit more now. Like, you know, it's unbelievable. And you know, Jeff Labar, you know, he he died. You know, it hasn't been confirmed how he died, but you know, there are you know rumors circulating about what's going on and stuff like that. But you know, he's he died way too young. You know, he was a good guitar player I, I really enjoyed those first two cinderella albums immensely they're in my you know catalog uh, in my vinyls collection there and uh you know i listen to them quite frequently especially long cold winter it's what such a great album i've always enjoyed that record and uh yeah you know thing things like that have to be you know looked at a little bit more seriously i mean i don't want to sound like i'm harping on anything here but you know it's no secret that he was a bit of a drinker and you know those kind of things you know you, you have to watch out watch your friends man you know sometimes you know if they're going down the wrong path you know 
help a buddy out. I've 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 had friends that helped me out in bad situations. I've been grateful for it. So, you know, a little bit of a, you know, message out there. But I also want to say one quick thing before we go on. Um, I just got found. I just got told about half an hour ago that a tornado went through my sister's town of Barrie mm. here in Ontario, an F2, and it completely like blasted a big portion of her city that she lives in. So uh, I, she's okay. I found out that they're okay. Uh, but uh, my uh, thoughts are with those people, and especially uh, there's a guy that I talked to on a live stream named George. He lives in Collingwood, and I heard that there's some um, bad weather going through there too. So my, my thoughts are with you too as well, George. Hopefully everybody up there in the northern part of Ontario are okay after that horrendous weather that we just had yeah and and everyone everywhere you know the big floods in germany today with uh you know a, a lot of people who've drowned in the these floods it's uh you know a weird time um so there wasn't going to be an, a kiss faq episode this week because we're doing this show but uh in light of gary's passing i'm putting up the audio from the interview he did with me in 2017 for the danger zone book since not everyone will have gotten the book or read the feature online and it's edited down to exactly what you know he basically said in the uh in the interview in the in the book uh just to make sure it you know it stays all nice and neat so uh you know if you want to hear him talk about his you know his uh you know his his early life, you know, getting into the keyboards and piano and early bands, you know, down, you know, down to writing Shebop with Cindy Lauper or for Cindy Lauper, as the case may be. Oh, yeah. And of course, touring, touring with Kiss and Paul Stanley. Um, we, we broke off at the end of the Crazy Nights tour and the Paul Stanley solo tour. And I think I uh, spoke to him about Hot in the Shade and other things later at a, another um, Rock and Pod in-person interview. And always on the on the phone with him you know back then lots of phone calls it was really really fun let's get into today's album which is a reader or a listener's pick and we gave you guys a bunch of albums to choose from and you chose did mark alice cooper band killer i don't actually own a physical of this so i've been on spotify actually i have i own the itunes somewhat legit uh, but today I've been I've been listening to a vinyl rip of it on YouTube just to uh, oh, you know okay. get a little bit more realistic on it. So Alice Cooper, of course, needs no introduction. You know, like many artists, when we get to 50, 60 years into their careers, his career is one of many phases. Mm -hmm. I think we'd probably put this one as the second phase because those first two albums, Easy Action and uh, what is it, Praise yeah. for You or whatever it was, are yeah. really not quite Alice Cooper right. band. They're they're prototypes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but by seventy, the Easy Action trans you know transforming into uh, what is it, Love It to Death, and then mm -hmm. Killer comes on after that so killer was the album that ken selected for listeners to mm. vote for if they show choose so thank you everyone for your votes ken what made you select killer as your pick for uh people to evaluate yeah well it's uh early it's an early alice album that where the band i think is really finding their formula um uh, of music that they're they're trying to you know put across and uh and it's it with it being its 50th year anniversary this year uh, i figured hey, why not and you know and i i love the album and i'm sure there's some people out there that probably never heard it um you know they're probably a lot of people yeah a lot of people have only heard you know welcome to my nightmare you know and maybe billion dollar babies and and some of the even later stuff um so i thought you know this was a really surprise for me when i got it so and it was it's a definite cool you know rocking rocking album and and you know, again 50th 50th anniversary i think we should celebrate it absolutely when did you first get it i got it um i got it in the 70s you know, my first album was from the inside. Uh, Alice Cooper was from the inside album. That's when I started. Once I got that, I started working my way back um, and and picking up albums. I probably picked up Welcome to My Nightmare, 
next and billion dollar babies i kind of was going backwards um and uh yeah this is one of the albums that uh, you know was definitely surprising so it was probably around 79 i finally you know got that album yeah mark what about you i mean um for me anyway this was my first experience with the whole album i've heard songs from it on greatest hits packages and all that but i haven't spent an extended time with the album itself what about you um it's interesting because um my sister of course who features quite a lot in this uh has she had a welcome to my nightmare but i i wasn't mm -hmm. aware of it because she I never heard it when she played it. I know I knew she had it because I I recognized the album cover. Um, but the thing is, this album I got to pretty late. My entry point to Alice Cooper was Trash, and then well, uh, uh, you know, then uh, you know, yeah. the one after it, uh, uh Hey Stupid, right? Mm -hmm. uh, was the that's where I kind of got in with Alice. I mean, I was aware of Alice before that, but that was actually like my really serious like, okay, I'm starting to pay attention to Alice kind of thing, and um. I got this album maybe about a couple of years back, like four or five years back, and uh, I, I really, I really liked it. I mean, I, I can say quite frankly, knowing full well that Bob Ezrin has produced this, okay, uh, I like this record. I think Bob did a really, really good job on this, and I think it helped that Jack Richardson, I think, who, who's credited probably as co-executive producer i think on this but he was also on love it to death i yeah, think jack one. richardson was Definitely. on the one before it and i didn't like that one as much i think when bob ezrin was let you know when they let the leash go on him and let him do what he wanted a bit more with alice i really like the sound of this record it's very raw very uh you know it's got that 70s great 70s rock sound to it and i think as ken said i think they were finding their feet or have found their feet by this point on this record. So I, I really like this record. Yeah, so I, my first experience with Alice Cooper was Alice Cooper's Greatest Hits, uh, which of course is oh. just all, all this stuff with uh, slightly different versions. The first album I bought new and kind of got, got into was all, again, 86. He's back, the man behind the mask, Constrictor. So I came in at the Kane Roberts and Kip Winger era of the band, still love freedom to this day. I'm probably one of the few. And when Hey Stupid and Trash came out, I checked out. I was like, that's trash and stupid trash at that. I couldn't stand it. I got back into him at the end of uh, the century with Brutal Planet and Dragon Town and stuck around for a little while through the eyes of Alice Cooper and then along mm -hmm. came a spider. And, you know, since then, the only album I bought is Welcome to My Nightmare 2. So mm -hmm. he's not a big part of my life. In the recent, in probably in the past year, I've gone back and started at the beginning with all those albums and I'm, I'm currently uh, the next one i'm due to get is dada so oh, dada. i've i've made it through the the flush the fashion era the fashion. and zipper oh, catches skin and all that but uh -huh. you know i am I'm, I'm not a fan i like the hits so i'm a casual if i went to a show and they played under my wheels and i'm you know 18 elected and all that i'd be perfectly happy and not depressed if they didn't play halo of flies or you know stuff like a little bit deeper cuts that most alice cooper fans will will notice that said you know spending a couple of weeks listening to this on a regular basis um i i want to echo what mark said you know the production and the songwriting really just seems to be you know they did an album in earlier 71 you know and released it and then they write this and boom i mean there's a lot of good quality on it so it debuted at 83 on the Billboard Top 200s uh, and eventually peaked at 21, surged up the chart in time for Christmas 1971, supported by the Under My Wheels single. Um, mm -hmm. Just as a point of reference, some of the other singles on the chart around that time included Black Dog, Zeppelin obviously, Iron Man. <laughs> Uh, just for you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Roundabout yes. and Bangkok. Oh. <laughs> so you know that that was kind of the, the 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 more niche material that it was competing with. So yeah. um, we've kind of covered you know the early phases and our entry points into the Alice Cooper band. Before discussing the album, do you have a favorite Alice Cooper album, Ken? 
Okay, yeah, probably it's probably going to be billion dollar babies. Um, and I do like flesh to fashion. Um, I mean, not flesh to fashion, I mean, uh, from the inside. Sorry, mm. <laughs> there's another F album. Um, uh, I meant <laughs> from the inside, uh, which I thought was really cool. Um, so those are kind of my two favorite ones, and but this is you know, pretty close right behind those. Yeah. Mark, how about you? Um, even though trash and those are my entry points are not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the interesting thing is that I, I would say, honestly, that this one is probably my favorite followed closely, closely behind by Dragon Town. I, I really, mm. really... I like that record. I mean, when he when he came back in 2000, at, at that time, I think Eric Singer was with him still on drums at that time. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, there was some kind of a live video and he was drumming on it. Uh, and uh, that that show, I think it was I think it was was it Dra- a Brutal Planet maybe live? I wondered it was two around that time. Brutal Live was the album with Eric. Yeah, I believe. that's oh, it. Brutal yeah. Life. And uh, that I remember when I watched that, I was just like completely like taken in by it it was so good the stage show was so good and i was completely committed back to alice at that point when that came in but i mean if, if i go back to like 70s alice this is the record that's, that's connected with me the most i mean you know Lo- love it to death is is good uh you know the record before that's bob ezrin tweaking his is uh <laughs> Easy, easy action. Not really my 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 favorite, but no. I think this is I think this is I think this is my favorite from the '70s era, with the band proper. Yeah, with yeah. Alice Cooper band right. versus Alice Cooper. Uh, you know right. what you what you say about Dragon Town? Um, yeah, uh, Disgraceland. I love that song and uh, you know Trigger Man. But if I'm gonna pick a favorite Alice Cooper album, it's gonna be Billion Dollar Babies by a Mile, Pound for Pound. That is just one, one rock solid slab of hard rock. Really good. I'm glad Lonnie made it home in time. You know we're, we're just well you're muted. So now now Lonnie's got technical issues. <laughs> we'll come so back. He's still not with us. Yeah. So he'll be he'll while he while he fiddles. We're we're just gonna continue on. Um, so favorites. Million dollar babies. Yeah, and and Lonnie, we'll catch up with you in a minute for your favorite Alice Cooper album and your entry point. Um, overall impression of the of Killer. You know, be it first listen or most recent as a whole. I mean, how do you kind of measure this album in terms of a an Alice Cooper album or b as a hard rock album in general, Ken? Yeah, as a rockin', you know, hard, or you can call it hard rock um, album, um, it, I was pleasantly surprised. And I was actually, some of it, the material on there is very, you know, shocking in a way. Um, um, you know, hey, we'll talk about, it, you know, Halo of Flies, for instance, was just like, like wow you know i can't believe what i just heard kind of thing after you hear it the first time and then something like uh dead babies which is definitely a shock rock i mean alice cooper was considered shock rock right um and that just fit right into that it, it it's kind of shocking and sickening in a way uh, but it, it at the same time it's cool <laughs> you know uh it's a really cool song um so anyway you know, I I, don't know. I think it's just a great rocking album. Let's see if Lonnie's with us. Hello. Hey, he's hey, with us. Hey. How about All that? Right. Yeah, so, so th- huh? thank you for joining us. Let's do a quick catch up with you. You know, your entry point into Alice Cooper and what phase you'd, of his career you'd call uh, your entry point and your, your first Alice Cooper album. Mm. Well, my entry point to Alice was, um, I was always aware of Alice, obviously. You know, I, I think my actually my entry point to Alice was the Days of Confused soundtrack had Schools Out and No More Mr. Nice Guy on it back in like 94, 95 okay. when I got those for the first time. And I, and I knew those songs, obviously. 
And then um, he was coming to town with the Scorpions. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine, his girlfriend worked at the uh, amphitheater in town, and she used to be able to get us lawn tickets to to shows like that. Not good ticket, not good seats, but you know, she'd be like, if you guys want to go to certain shows, let me know. I can I can get you tickets. So we're like, yeah, I want to go to Alice Cooper. So me and and some other guys, you know, we decided, yeah, we're gonna go to see Alice. So I bought. So in prepper, and I still only had the the um, the uh, Days Confused soundtrack. So I bought Alice Cooper's. It was called Classics. It came out in '95. That was my first introduction. Then, so I learned a lot. It had a lot of new stuff on. It had some of the newer stuff on it, and then it had some live versions of some of the older stuff on it. So I knew. So I was pretty prepared when I walked into the show. I knew not every song he played that night, but a lot of the songs he played that night, and I was pretty pretty impressed actually. And I was definitely more into Alice than I was into the Scorpions. And Alice actually opened the show, the Scorpions closed, but I was more into Alice. And it kind of jump-started my, my Alice Cooper fandom. And I went and got some more greatest hits because that's just what you do. And, um, and, and then I didn't see him again until 2004. And again, I got free tickets to him somehow in 2004. He played at a little, um, it's a little theater in St. Louis that holds about 2,000 people. And from there, my fandom took off. And I had to have every Alice Cooper record after I saw him um, in 2004. And I, I would just buy him, just buy him and buy him until I had them all. And I love Alice. I mean, and I've, and I've stated it on, on the shows in the past that um, he is maybe my second, maybe my third favorite of all time. I guess my third, because I do love Guns N' Roses. I ha- I'll have to put him third. But I, I absolutely love Alice. I love Killers. I got Killers... I'd have to say summer of 2004, maybe fall of 2004, right around in there. And I was just buying every Alice Cooper album I could possibly get my hands on. And I love the album. I was um, excited when Ken nominated it. And, you know, it's excited to talk it over with you guys. Very cool. Okay, you're all caught up. Mark. Yes. Do you remember what the question was? Hello. No. Your, over, your overall <laughs> impression of Killers, uh, be it on the first or most recent listen. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said earlier, I, I really, I really like this. I mean, like I said, I, I find that uh, Ezrin alone working with this without Jack Richardson, uh, much better. I, I really like the production job he did on this. I, I love the sound of this record. It has a really good edge to it. And one thing I found out very interesting about this record, um, that cover you know, with the snake, right? I talked to my sister because she was ta- she was I talked to her this week and she was saying you know what are you doing this week and I said I'm doing a podcast and we're doing Alice Cooper Killer and then she started laughing she goes oh that record I remember that she said that back when she when they were when it came out and she was in school the old guys in school loved that record because of the snake they thought it was so ultra cool man a snake on there you know it's gonna remember it's 71 right mm-hmm. and a lot of the girls kind of like ew you know like when they saw that kind of album cover they weren't into it and alice cooper was really like hip with the guys during this time period apparently she was telling me and like the those songs too like the dead babies and stuff like that it was she found that it really played to the male audience demographic this record of like a hell of a lot more than any female you know my sister was a very oddball in that sense that she you know she had more guy friends than she had girlfriends she listened to hard rock music and stuff like that so she was really fit into that it is very rare that, I, that a lot of her actual girlfriends like that kind of stuff but i think the record was really good i mean if you think back to that time period and those other records that came out around that time you know it's a pretty hard rocking record it, it sounds good i think Ezra did a great job and that's coming for me you know how that is you know i usually have nothing good to say about bob but i think that he did a really really stellar job on this record i there, i don't think there's one song in here that i don't like yeah, I wish I could say that. You know, I think overall impressions on it is that it's incredibly solid. And what I find as someone who came in during Hair Metal Alice is that the original Alice Cooper band is just rock solid. You know, once they found their footing, um, the songwriting credits tell you that it was the Alice Cooper band, that it was more than just about one, the, the front man, you know, who had 
hadn't quite taken that moniker yet uh, or ownership of it. So it seems to be very collaborative. It seems to be, you know, kind of Iron Maiden-ish in the sense that you have the different songwriters providing different textures and the consistency between those textures. So when you get certain guys working together, you get a certain style of song. And it's enough to have every chapter be interesting and different. Now, there's one song I don't like on it, which, you know, when, when you're talking about this amount of material and some pretty long songs as well. Um, I say that's a pretty good batting record. So that's that's my overall impression of the album, is that the quality of the material, the mix of songwriters, the mix of instrumentation, and also Ezrin's production just marry together to be... It's like one of those 70s albums that I really think I would have to now go out if they did a deluxe edition, or who yeah. knows, maybe there is, and actually buy, because it really it does feel to be one of those seminal albums from the 70s. So, Ken, your overall yeah. impressions. Oh, I think you already got me on that. Did I? And then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. see, see what Lonnie's late appearance does? Lonnie's it throws me all out of whack. He's throwing everybody out of sorts. That's all right. So why don't you why don't you get us started with uh, your three favorites and tell us why they're your favorites on the album? Uh, my three favorites on the album, Under My Wheels, obviously. So it's such classic Alice Cooper. And usually when I listen to Under My Wheels, I don't listen to this version, but I listen to like usually a live version or this is again, so Lonnie, that there's a version on the Alice Cooper box set of him singing Under My Wheels with Axl Rose. That's usually my go-to version of Under My Wheels. Of course it is. So listening to this version the last couple of weeks um, and hearing those horns on it, it's like, it's, this is, I, I said, I miss the horns. Like I haven't listened to this version in a long, long time. I go, I, I love the horns on this on this song. And it's such a great Alice song. Um, you know, he, he plays it obviously every night. It's such a staple in the set. Um, you know, I back back when ringtones were popular, um, my, my phone used to always ring to telephone is ringing. So <laughs> <laughs> And and no one would get it, you know what I mean? Except for me, I just laugh every time. So Under My Wheels, uh, top three for sure. Desperado, I love Desperado. Um, it's it's so and it, it's just it's just it's like such a production listening to the song. Um, and I, it I, I and I guess the reason why I love it too is that it was one of the early on songs that I heard on a greatest hits, and I just like wow, that's that's really good. I mean, it, and you know, Alice doesn't get the credit, and much, much like other bands we talk about, doesn't get the credit for some of the songwriting. They're just, oh, it's just Alice Cooper. It's a stage act. It's this, that. I mean, these are great songs, and you guys probably already talked about this a little bit before I got on. I mean, these are some of these songs are just masterpieces, and I put Desperado in that in that category. Um, just the, you know, from from Alice's lower voice, and then it changes, and then it's back, and it's 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 so great. And then I can't. And then it's tough to pick a third. Um, I had a lot of coffee driving here, if you guys can probably tell. It's either Be My Lover or Dead Babies. And I I got to give a slight edge to, to Be My Lover, just because it is such a great Alice staple. Um, and such a great song, too. I mean, I think, I think mm-hmm. you can listen to Be My Lover and I think a lot of people can relate to a song like that um, or being in a situation uh, like Be My Lover described. So um, Under My Wheels, Desperado, Be My Lover, my top three. Nice. A-side. Uh, what was that theater in St. Louis that you mentioned? Is that the ambassador? Uh, the, pageant, the pageant on Del Mar. Oh, um, okay. I've seen a lot. I saw this. Um, Gene played there back in, I don't know, 17, 18, yeah. whatever. What, 18, 18, 17? 18, uh, <laughs> 17 or 18 something around there i've seen a lot of great bands there, so. nice all right ken now i'm i'm back on track we're in the right order uh what are your three favorites on this album and why yeah it's, it's really difficult um but i am gonna go with Ooh, it is difficult um <laughs> halo of flies is one um and uh, and just because and supposedly uh, the 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 rumor goes that uh, they were it was kind of Alice Cooper's uh, the band's um, 
to you know effort to to write a song like King Crimson, you know, you know, to say, hey, we can we can do it too, um, kind of uh, epic kind of song, um, just because of all of the changes in, in there and so on, and throwing in something like a sound of music, little you know, uh, what's that song? My favorite things. Um, that song from the sound of music and throwing that little in there. It's like, Hey, I know that, you know, um, just, just, it's just kind of ingenious to what they did with that song. Um, and the changes in it are just so cool. Um, so that's one, uh, I'd agree with, uh, Lonnie on, uh, Desperado. Um, supposedly again, that, that, that song is so cool. Um, I guess it was kind of a tribute to Jim Morrison, um, uh in a way uh i guess the way he sings it at the beginning and the lower voice it's a it's has a jim morrison kind of feel to it from the doors um but the song is actually about uh about watching uh was it the magnificent seven and there was that one actor robert vaughn in in that Robert Vaughn, you may know from The Man from Uncle, the original series way back. It was it was writing it from that standpoint about that character in the, that movie. So, and that's just just a cool song. Some of the stuff about you, you know, you're a notch, and I'm a legend, and about you know the stiff barrel. You know, you're gonna be as stiff as my guns barrel kind of thing. You know, the, the, those those kind of lyrics are just fantastic. Um, and then the other one would go. I, I would say Dead Babies. Um, just a, just a, it's creepy and cool at the same time. Um, it's classic Alice. It, it's just like, and then with the like a procession kind of thing comes after it. You know, like a, you you can see a funeral procession and the music that comes on in in part of the song and and even the next song actually. Um, so yeah, those are really really cool songs and again there's a there's a couple other ones i could have picked too definitely yeah so while we're talking about alice cooper i don't want to there's this website that's been around for a long time because i've been going there for a long time sick things uk there they are my alice cooper resource for reading up about these albums and some of the minutiae that goes with the album covers and and all of that but you 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 totally called out the stuff in halo of flies that i was going to mention you know the sound of music little uh (laughs) favorite things melody echo um but you miss something that really grabbed my attention on halo flies and which is why it's one of my three favorite picks the galloping bass in there oh, I, oh yeah yeah i i just immediately saw steve harris appear in my head with some of that bass work and you can now i can kind of figure where some of his inspirations go and then reading about it and how they wanted to challenge themselves with the king crimson-ish kind of approach to a song was really cool so that was one of my uh favorite songs um, one of my favorite things on this album. Um, I refused to pick either of the singles because I mm-hmm. wanted to force myself not to have something from the greatest hits um, and, and really kind of experience more of the album, Desperado, without a doubt. I think Jim Morrison could easily be seen as a bit of a gunslinger figure, even though it's coming from a vocal point of view and the movie you know, that you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. The Magnificent Seven, magnificent movie, but Jim Morrison was an outlaw. So it, right. it, it all kind of comes together and works, even if it's not yes. about Jim. The vocalization and the fact that he died earlier in the year kind of comes together. Now, whether it is, you know, obviously reading on sick things about the song, it doesn't matter. I love the song. And then, of course, the title track is my third pick. And mm. I couldn't go with Dead Baby, so it's so damn catchy. It's, it's <laughs> sickeningly catchy. But there's one, one lyric I just can't stand in that. And... Um, the shelf, you know, they just, just can't take can't things, take things off, the, off shelf. the shelf. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't seem to work for me. And it, it's like a big um, fingernail scratch on a chalkboard in the middle of a, a, a fantastic song otherwise. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there nodding my head, starting to sing along to that chorus. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You know, that's, t- you, that's completely inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> But very catchy. And that, I think, is another element on this album, is that so many of these songs, while they're kind of dark and depraved, are catchy. You know, 
and it's the sort of thing that Ghost does nowadays. Um, so it, it was all done 50 years ago, um, a little bit better, for that matter. Mark, your favorites. Um, well, I have to say that I pretty much echo Lonnie in the sense that uh, Under My Wheels are is is a is a classic to me i mean i've always loved that song like that whole cowbell thing at the beginning telephone is but that's i mean come on <laughs> that that whole thing is such a catchy thing from the very beginning i mean you can't help but you know be instantly hooked on it and i remember every time i've seen alice slide like even when they when he toured with uh what was it i think it was with heaven and hell they they were the middle Ooh, act yeah, yeah. I, yeah, saw that. I was yeah i was there too it was queensrike uh i think it was queensrike alice cooper and yeah, next, heaven yeah, and yeah, hell. yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, fantastic. I mean, just absolutely brilliant show. And they, how they ended with elected and all the people came on stage with the post banners and everything. It was fantastic. Like, great stuff. So and they, they played that a really great version of that on that show. I, I was like, right into it. I was all standing up going nuts, you know. Uh, and the next song, that Desperado, I love that song as well. It's such a great song. I mean, the, the thing I have to give credit to Ezrin for is that I think he really found a way to capture the strong melodies, yet keep the music really cool and hard rock. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you try to overemphasize a melody too much, you can go down the poppy side of music a little too much. Whereas he didn't do that with Alice. He really made it still kind of cool and, you know, you know, the guys were digging it kind of music, you know. So I, I really think that he did a great job with that. But my third pick, though, I have to go with Dead Babies. I, I love that song. I've always loved that song. Uh, you know, even though the lyrics are a little, you know, difficult to uh, swallow in some parts. I mean, could you imagine 71 hearing that? You know, that must have been like, whoa, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, but uh, I, I really I really think it's it's a great song. And those three are easily probably some of my favorites from the whole Alice Cooper catalog, to be honest. That was nice, Lonnie, with his little yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> I, 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 now I even caught the reference. So, and and you know, miracle of miracles, twice in one show, Mark has said positive things about Bob Ezrin. So anyone who thinks that him not liking Destroyer is unbalanced, you're hearing the other side of the coin here. You're hearing an objective person's opinion. How about that? All right. Uh, before we go into, you know, trying to pick, I, I did ask you to try and pick three least favorite tracks. But that's just not going to happen for anyone. So before we get to least favorite picks, let's talk about the Under My Wheels and Be My Lover as the album single. I mean, for me, those are both perfect selections because they're essentially pretty safe. You know, you're not going to throw dead babies on AM radio and, uh, you know, get very far with that edit's going to take it down to about 10 seconds. So re regardless of it being ironic or, you know, uh, otherwise than it suggests, you're not going to do it under my wheels and be my lover track one and two off the album. What a one, two punch of awesomeness. Uh, Ken, straight back to you for singles. And would you have picked anything else? Um, I don't know if I could have picked anything else. Impossible. Yeah, other stuff is a little bit too too much. Um, I mean, maybe Desperado, but that's still, you know, I don't I don't know if that would make it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Under My Wheels and Be My Lover, two you know catchy songs. Under My Wheels. I, I think it was you know another thing about Lonnie was talking about the horns and that was a lot of bands back then around that time were using horns. Um, in their in their music um and yeah, the I stones was, and stuff like that yeah yeah stones oh, yeah. chicago and so on um rare earth i think um so Aerosmith. yeah no yeah yeah and so it was a thing at the time and i thought it was a good you know a little cool thing they they did that with it and you think about horns you know well car horns too it kind of goes with the whole the whole theme i guess so um so that I think it was yeah a great pick uh, obviously and then be my lover is just a you know nice cool catchy song um and I, yeah nothing nothing wrong with that I think it's it's an obvious choice really um other than the and the other ones I I don't know I mean again maybe Desperado could have could have made it um and that would be probably it for a single otherwise 
Yeah, I love the point you make about the horns, that it was a very early 70s thing, and a lot of rock yeah. bands were utilizing it. One thing, you know, the complete tangent is, again, going to Peter Chris's 2017 show when he put Strutter to horn arrangement, mm. you know, in a similar right. way to the early 70s, kind of echoed back to the Alice Cooper band and some of the things that those bands were doing. Um, and it really does add an element or a texture to just standard rock music to Lay take down. it from the special to the spectacular. Lonnie, your thoughts on the singles oh i think i think that the perfect singles off the album i mean they're of the eight of the only eight songs on the on the album they're the two most radio friendly songs i mean i, I don't really know where else you could go as far as singles like ken said i could see maybe desperado because it is it is you know catchy in a way and it is you know a, it's, a, it's a masterpiece in my opinion but as far as you got to think about am radio in 1971 mm -hmm. I, I really don't think you can go wrong with these two singles. I think it it was tailor made to be these for these two songs to be the two singles off the album. I mean, I I mean, yeah. I, I don't think you can make killer killer is way too long. Halo of Flies is way too long. You know, even Dead Babies is too long of a song to put on as a single at close to six minutes. So I mean, they're short. The both of the songs are short. They're sweet. They're catchy. They're they're tailor made to be singles. So I have no problem with it at all. Mark. Yeah, I, I think they were good good selections for sure. Uh, the thing I find very interesting about it, because I'm looking back here on the album here, is that uh, you know Bob Ezrin only has two writing credits on this record, and that's for Under My Wheels, and it's also he has a writing credit for You Drive Me Nervous, and that's mm. actually what I'm surprised about is that they didn't pick that one as the second single knowing but how Ezrin likes to be involved in these kind of you know singles that could put out so i almost thought, well no no i mean I, I i i am a little surprised at that because you know he usually likes to put in his kind of touch to songs like that and you know his track record is pretty good in that sense right with songs that he has input on for getting decent chart play right but you know i i think that they were perfect and they were and they, they i think you're right uh, whoever said that they were strategically placed as singles they are they are they're even placed on the album that way song one song two you're gonna start off with your strongest songs right at the top you caught them you've, you've you've hooked them and caught them and now they're yours for the rest of the record so i think they were perfectly written and perfectly produced and they are the best two songs for singles yeah, no, completely concur. And the B-side selection on it says it all, you know, under my wheels, backed with Desperado. There, flip mm -hmm. it over, uh, if that's the case. And radio stations were more likely to do that back in the day. And Be My Lover had yeah, yeah, yeah on the flip in the U.S. Anyway, it may vary elsewhere. So I, I don't see there being any other other options. I think those B-sides could easily have just been to, you know, gamble on maybe them getting flipped over. So great selection. It, it, they were churning out so much material if you think that they did five out five studio albums in what three years you know that mm -hmm. that's just a level of you know of work and creativity that bands today you know really lost the thread of you know because they make so much of their money on the road um, that they they weren't right they don't write now continuously you know you know very very few um, really seem to do that. So let's go to least favorites on the album. And uh, Ken, let's start with you. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to really pick a least favorite, but uh, or two. Uh, but I'll pick two. I'll go ahead and pick two. Um, my least favorite are "You Drive Me Nervous" and "Yeah, Yeah, Yeah." Um, they're, I mean, they're great, you know, just straight ahead rocking songs. You drive me nervous. Sounds like something that was could have been left off of uh, the the prior album. It sounds more like that to me, at least, mm -hmm. uh, of the music that was on Love It to Death. Um, so, but yeah, they're not bad songs. They just are. They don't stand up to the rest of the songs on the album. So. Interesting. I wasn't able to get to two. Lonnie, how about you? Um, I was not able to get to two. Were you, were you able to get to one? I, I was hoping we would just skip this segment entirely, actually. Or, yeah. or I was hoping maybe you guys would do this segment before I showed up, and maybe I, I wouldn't have to 
to participate. Um, you could decline to participate. I might. I might. This might be the. It might be the first time anyone on this show has ever declined to participate. I mean, even with the Velvet Revolver, I picked a couple songs I didn't like on that album. But I don't know. I mean, I I I think I'd be doing a disservice to any songs on the album to uh, to do. I mean to do that and I, if we ever do a billion dollar babies i think i'd do the same thing again yeah, <laughs> yeah and and it is a val it is a valid option to say hey i'm not picking i, I, I don't I, think i can i simply it. don't I, want to pick one and we, we, we may berate you uh, but we'll never and that's fine it's a, it's, you know we, we never, do that every we'll never hang up on you <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mark how about you you are you gonna give a gander at uh giving one the boot um it's very hard but i'm gonna pick just one that I, I think I could maybe get the boot. I mean, it's it's not because it's not a good song, but I just think that as far as uh, quality of songwriting and as far as uh, strength of melodies and stuff like that, I think the the least impressive one to me and where they, where they always kind of lose me a little bit, and Ezra was smart, he strategically placed this song in the best position for something like that is the very end of the record, Killer. I, I think that that song... Mm is one of the songs that they kind of lose me a little bit at the end. And it's funny because I almost got moment, a moment of black diamond in there when they start doing that slowing down of the music. To, uh, <laughs> I was like, it just all of a sudden I started thinking black diamond all of a sudden when I heard that, you know, uh, but it's just that, that song I think is the one where if I find myself maybe thinking about something else and maybe drifting off and not paying full attention to the record, it's on that song always I find never anywhere else in the record. I mean, I'm always, you know, hooked and engaged with the rest of it. So it's not a, again, it's not a bad song and I don't not saying that it's, you know, anything terrible, but if I had to pick one, it, I guess that would be that one for that reason. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was only able to pick one and it's a song that I think that really needs to have an Ezrin co-write credit added to it to fix it and that's yeah 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 it just doesn't quite meet the standard of everything else and almost comes across to my to my taste as a little bit of a throwaway so i think if ezrin had sprinkled some of his pixie dust on it he could have you know kicked it up a notch and not had me thinking of the beatles uh with its title um you know, it, it, again, it's not terrible. I haven't skipped. I haven't skipped a song on this album. Uh, I've just left it on repeat. You know, and then I've mixed it in with "Love It to Death" and "Billion Dollar Babies" afterwards, and you know, just played it in every permutation to get the album before, the album after, and there's nothing skippable. You know, so I'd almost side with Lonnie, even with you know that that kind of stretch to to name one, and and say that nah, yeah. It's not a bad album. I don't think that anything really does get to that level, but that is one that certainly could have used a little bit of uh, additional magic. Let's talk about one of the guest players. You know, this is an Ezrin album. Who comes oh, yeah. in? Who plays additional guitar and Under My Wheels? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Derringer or Zeringer. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. Yep. Uh, I did not know that. So <laughs> that that really is a, a little bit surprising. But then again, you know, Ezrin and the band. You know and just like with other bands that he used substitutes on, knew that it was the right choice to make for the material and weren't bothered by it. And again, reading on Sick Things, you know, some of the um, the notes on that, that uh, they liked it. So, you know, get the right tool for the right task. Um, I think we've already covered the, you know, the production by Bob Ezrin on this, unless any of you have any additional thoughts on the production, particularly in comparison to the predecessor, Love It to Death, and the album that follows after. It seems to be band and producer in perfect synchronicity um, for me, but we've kind of already uh, gone over that. Thoughts on the cover and the packaging? Now, Mark, you flashed the gatefold, didn't you? Mm -hmm. at, the, at the beginning? Yeah. So... You know, here. you know the stories, right, of the uh, the handwriting, trying to write like a demented, you know, killer by using mm -hmm. his left hand, and reading the story about the the getting the photograph of the snake, to, you know, whole sheet of film, and they managed to find one picture with that tongue out, you know. <laughs> Really cool yeah. stuff. But Lottie, what do you think of the packaging and the album cover itself? You know, any uh, it's, it's great. It, it's it's genius, actually. Um, you know, the, the writing with the left hand and that, and it's it's totally in the Alice Cooper vein. To it just pushes it 
to it pushes it to the next level actually the, the way they did that just um to get in into the brain of you know of of a psychotic person so i i think i think it's great you know i, I love the snake with with the tongue on it and that's that's so you gotta think about 1971 that's really kind of risque almost in 1971 mm-hmm. you know a, a serpent with its tongue out on the album cover i mean that's really that that that's shock rock right there just for that cover now somebody looks at that today and they just flip right through it they don't even somebody wouldn't even think anything of it but i mean you're coming you're coming out of the 60s with the beatles and all of a sudden it's alice cooper and a snake on the cover i mean it's it's pretty hardcore for 1971 i love it love it to death huh um lonnie (laughs) uh i mean ken yeah, I mean it's a, a definitely cool cover. Um, the calendar thing is a nice touch. Of course, you can only use it one year. <laughs> Every few years, actually. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. tomorrow. True, true, true. Perfect. Um, but you know, at the time, just like the, we talked about the horns, there was other. That was kind of the thing they were doing. Uh, I have a Rod Stewart one around the same uh, period of time. I think it's every picture sells an hour earlier one um but uh it has kind of like a poster thing in there where it you know it it folds out the kind of the same way as uh the alice cooper one uh where you can you know pull take it off on the preparation and uh and uh you know tack it to your wall kind of thing um but i was gonna show something so this thing here this was a uh it's a repress um but it was it was for uh, Rocktober kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, and the problem with this one, this is actually a misprint <laughs> because it, I got it, and this is for Killer. The problem with this, if I put the needle on it, it plays Easy Action, the out al- the Easy what? Action album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has it has the Killer label, but it has Easy Action. Now I have Easy Action that came out at the mm-hmm. same time on a different color, and it has killer yeah so they, they, yeah, they, they screwed it up yeah, yeah they, they blew it they blew it but so i ended up getting both um but uh <laughs> i mean how could you make a mistake but i mean it's a cool kind of pressing um but yeah the album cover the snake and the whole thing um it just it it fits and you know alice cooper's known for the the snake and and so on so it's a nice cool touch i think i i saw something about Maybe I'm not remembering, but there was something about how they did that photo shoot. But uh, yeah, that's that, a, that's um, up on Sick Things. Uh, nice detail about okay, trying to yeah. get the picture snapped with this uh, with the 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 tongue out, <laughs> rather than you right. couldn't take right. you couldn't take the photo of the snake with its tongue out because by the time you clicked, the tongue had gone back in. So Throw you had to kind of pre anticipate, you know, and yeah. how many shots were taken just to get that Steve single one ended snap. up being the cover. Mark, your <laughs> thought on the packaging? Um, actually, the one thing about this album cover that I find fantastic, I mean, besides the besides the fact that there's like a cool snake on it and the and the the lettering and all that that's on there, the one thing that I find interesting even to this day is that the the choice of the color that they used for the background of it, this kind of reddish pink, it really really stands out in a record store. I noticed mm-hmm. if you go and walking around the record, you know, in the record stores and you and it's on a shelf there you can't help but have your eye kind of go to it because that, that shade of that color instantly kind of pulls you over to it. It's like when Lonnie comes on screen, his uh, red, orange and black oh. there, right away, <laughs> I, I find it ex- extremely catchy to the eye. You know what I mean? It's like a similar effect with this. You know what I mean? And I think it's a great idea because, you know, obviously you want people to buy your album, so why not give it that extra little, you know, push to it or the help that it could get in order to get people's attention to it because i think once you you're you're lured to it and you see the snake right away you're going to be like shit what the hell is that and you know and you start looking through it and you know you'll probably nine times out of ten you'll probably take a chance and buy it i think in the 70s people were much more into just you know going out and buying records than rather saying ah, i'm just gonna wait for the single you know i think people went and bought stuff you know on a whim a bit more and i i would have definitely went and grabbed that yeah it, you know that that is everything i could think to say you know well i didn't think to say it but 
it it was one of those things when flipping through records that it's grabbed my attention on many occasion it really is a vividly and distinctive cover so mark you know great observation on that you know my my final points on this the tour kicked off in december um 1971 and you drive me nervous dead babies killer yeah 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 halo of flies and under my wheels were all performed from the album which is you know pretty impressive slab to be adding to a set that was already impressive are there any final points that you'd like to add about this album or alice Cooper in general, Ken? Um, you know, if, if you haven't listened to it, um, definitely give it a chance and, you know, and try it out. It's a pretty much a consensus here that it's a pretty good, you know, hard rocking album and one of Alice's better ones in his catalog. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I stand by, you know, what I said that, you know, it's a really good album. So, yeah. Um, do it, pick it up, try it. You know, I think you'll like it. <laughs> yeah, and you can listen to it for free on Spotify or YouTube, and then if you like it, you can go out and buy it and support the artist or the artists uh, whoever owns the publishing and all that these days. Mark, any uh, any final points or thoughts on the album? Yeah, I mean, my final point on it is uh, the band itself. I think is really really good. I mean, I think the guitar players in this band are are fantastic, and. Alice Cooper has always had strong guitar players. That's one thing I'm going to make a point of saying here is that if you go back and look through his albums, he's never had weak guitar players in his band ever. I mean, Kane Roberts was great. You know, he had all kinds of great, even the people that are in the band now. I mean, there's some really fantastic YouTube videos that Premier Guitar did when they were, when Alice was on tour and they got, you know, some of the, they round up some of the guitar players that were in his band and they went through all his gear. And one guy was like a Gibson guitar lover. So he had all these Gibson guitars that he's out on tour with. Like there are guys that, that he, that he takes with them, know these songs inside and out. They're very uh, respectful of the, the original kind of tones that they used, you know, Marshalls and Gibson and stuff like that. And it's, it's, if you're, if you love that kind of style of rock, like guitar-driven rock, two guitars, double lead stuff here and there. Alice Cooper is definitely a good artist to pick up on and, and buy, that's for sure. And this record definitely is a great example of that playing. Yeah, guitars. Nina Strauss? Yeah, she's, Ryan, yes. Ryan, wasn't Ryan Roxy one as uh-huh. well? Mm-hmm, yeah. you know, those are some... Chuck Garrick has been in his band for years. Just yeah. fantastic. And yeah. some pretty good drummers as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So he, he surrounds himself with good musicians. So I wasn't looking forward to this episode. You know, I'm not that big of an Alice Cooper fan, uh, but I'm really glad that I was, again, that's the whole object to this exercise is to make us explore music that we maybe have not explored previously or to revisit stuff that isn't as, you know, fresh and familiar to us. So complete win for me i'm 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 thrilled that i've enjoyed it and it's forced me to go to more of the catalog and see what i'm missing i I, ken i've enjoyed this far more than elo let's put it that way okay up to this point that is Um, and obviously time i I, time i enjoyed a lot so you know don't get me wrong but i'm starting at the beginning um lonnie your your final thoughts on it um He's going to be out on tour this fall. If you have a chance, go see him live. He's, he's absolutely fantastic live. And I mean, that's how I got hooked on him was by seeing a live show. I was just couldn't get enough of it afterwards. And I've seen him basically every time he's come to town since then. I've seen him a bunch. Um, and on a side note, um, you know, my, my wife tolerates Kiss and she likes Guns N' Roses. But she's really happy this week is over because she hates Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Does she? Oh, nice. oh, you know what? I think we're going to have to give Becky to pick one of these days. That just, you know, uh, have uh, maybe ask Mark's sister to pick. You know, uh, ask your suffering wife to pick. You know, it, it could actually be, uh, but it has to be. Suitable the for the town. show. No Backstreet Boys. No In Sync. Right. No, no Taylor. Uh, we're not going to review a Taylor Swift album. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. There we go. Thank you, everyone, for your for voting and for your suggestions. We will do another readers pick down the road. Um, I, I think we have our next one actually queued up. I can't remember where we are these days because so busy. Um, but for now, from Ken, from Lonnie, Mark, and myself, thanks for listening, and we shall see you next time. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. 
be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook. <laughs>